Chapters 10 to 13 of Book 3 of Toilers of the Sea, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adams. Toilers of the Sea, Part 1, Sieur Clubin by Victor Hugo. Translated by W. Moy Thomas. Book 3, Durand and Desruchettes. Chapter 10. Long Yarns Mess Lethierry, for the sake of his own ease, always wore his seafaring clothes, and preferred his tarpaulin overcoat to his pilot jacket. Deruchette felt vexed occasionally about this peculiarity. Nothing is prettier than a pouting beauty. She laughed and scolded. "'My dear father,' she would say, "'what a smell of pitch!' and she would give him a gentle tap upon his broad shoulders. This good seaman had gathered from his voyages many wonderful stories. He had seen at Madagascar birds' feathers, three of which sufficed to make a roof of a house. He had seen in India field sorrel, the stalks of which were nine inches high. In New Holland he had seen troops of turkeys and geese led about and guarded by a bird, like a flock by a shepherd's dog. This bird was called the Agami. He had visited elephants' cemeteries. In Africa he had encountered gorillas, a terrible species of man-monkey. He knew the ways of all the ape tribe, from the wild dog-faced monkey, which he called the Macaco Bravo, to the howling monkey, or Macaco Barbado. In Chile he had seen a pouched monkey move the compassion of the huntsman by showing its little one. He had seen in California a hollow trunk of a tree fall to the ground, so vast that a man on horseback could ride one hundred paces inside. In Morocco he had seen the Mozabites and the Biscris fight with matricks and bars of iron. The Biscris, because they had been called Kelbs, which means dogs, and the Mozabites, because they had been treated as Kamsi, which means people of the fifth sect. He had seen in China the pirate Chang Thong Quang La Quoi cut to pieces for having assassinated the app of a village. At Thu Dan Mo he had seen a lion carry off an old woman in the open marketplace. He was present at the arrival of the great serpent, brought from Canton to Saigon to celebrate in the pagoda of Cholen the fete of Quan Nan, the goddess of navigators. He had beheld the great Quan Su among the Moy. At Rio de Janeiro he had seen the Brazilian ladies in the evening put little balls of gauze into their hair, each containing a beautiful kind of firefly, and the whole forming a headdress of little twinkling lights. He had combated in Paraguay with swarms of enormous ants and spiders, big and downy as an infant's head encompassing with their long legs a third of a yard, and attacking men by pricking them with their bristles, which enter the skin as sharp as arrows, and raise painful blisters. On the river Arenos, a tributary of the Tocantins, in the virgin's forests to the north of Diamantina, he had determined the existence of the famous bat-shaped people, 
the mercilagos or men who are born with white hair and red eyes who live in the shady solitudes of the woods sleep by day awake by night and fish and hunt in the dark seeing better then than by the light of the moon he told how near beirut once in an encampment of an expedition of which he formed part a rain gauge belonging to one of the party happened to be stolen from a tent a wizard wearing two or three strips of leather only and looking like a man having nothing on but his braces thereupon rang a bell at the end of a horn so violently that a hyena finally answered the summons by bringing back the missing instrument the hyena was in fact the thief these veritable histories bore a strong resemblance to fictions but they amused Deruchette. the poupe or doll of the durande as the people of the channel islands called the figurehead of a ship was the connecting link between the vessel and the tiris niece in the norman islands the figurehead of a ship a roughly carved wooden statue is called the poupe Hence the local saying, meaning to sail, etre entre poupe et poupe. The poupe of the Durande was particularly dear to Mess Lethierry. He had instructed the carver to make it resemble Deruchette. It looked like a rude attempt to cut out a face with a hatchet, or like a clumsy log trying hard to look like a girl. This unshapely block produced a great effect upon Mess Lethierry's imagination he looked upon it with an almost superstitious admiration his faith in it was complete he was able to trace in it an excellent resemblance to deruchette thus the dogma resembles the truth and the idol the deity mestletiri had two grand fete days in every week one was tuesday the other friday his first delight consisted in seeing the durande weigh anchor his second in seeing her enter the port again he leaned upon his elbows at the window contemplating his work and was happy on fridays the presence of mess lethierry at his window was a signal when people passing the braves saw him lighting his pipe they said ay the steamboat is in sight one kind of smoke was the herald of the other the durande when she entered the port made her cable fast to a huge iron ring under mess lethierry's window and fixed in the basement of the house. On those nights Lethierry slept soundly in his hammock, with a soothing consciousness of the presence of Deruchette asleep in her room near him, and of the Durande moored opposite. The moorings of the Durande were close to the great bell of the port. A little strip of quay passed thence before the door of the Braves. The quay, the braves, and its house, the garden, the alleys bordered with edges, and the greater part even of the surrounding houses no longer exist. The demand for Guernsey granite has invaded these too. The whole of this part of the town is now occupied by stone-cutters' yards. Chapter 11. Matrimonial Prospects Deruchette was approaching womanhood and was still unmarried. Mess Lethierry, in bringing her up to have white hands, had also rendered her somewhat fastidious. A training of that kind has its disadvantages, but Lethierry was himself still more fastidious. 
he would have liked to have provided at the same time for both his idols to have found in the guide and companion of the one a commander for the other what is a husband but the pilot on the voyage of matrimony why not then the same conductor for the vessel and for the girl the affairs of a household have their tides their ebbs and flows and he who knows how to steer a bark ought to know how to guide a woman's destiny subject as both are to the influences of the moon and the wind sieur clubin being only fifteen years younger than Thierry, would necessarily be only a provisional master for the durande it would be necessary to find a young captain a permanent master a true successor of the founder inventor and creator of the first channel steamboat a captain for the durande who should come up to his ideal would have been already almost a son-in-law in, in Thierry's eyes why not make him son-in-law in a double sense the idea pleased him the husband in posse of deruchette haunted his dreams his ideal was a powerful seaman tanned and browned by weather a sea athlete this, however, was not exactly the ideal of Déruchette. Her dreams, if dreams they could even be called, were of a more ethereal character. The uncle and the niece were at all events agreed in not being in haste to seek a solution of these problems. When Déruchette began to be regarded as a probable heiress, a crowd of suitors had presented themselves attentions under these circumstances are not generally worth much mess Lethierry felt this he would grumble out the old french proverb a maiden of gold a suitor of brass he politely showed the fortune seekers to the door he was content to wait and so was deruchette it was perhaps a singular fact that he had little inclination for the local aristocracy in that respect mess Lethierry showed himself not entirely english it will hardly be believed that he even refused for deruchette a gondwell of jersey and a bunet nicolin of sark people were bold enough to affirm though we doubt if this were possible that he had even declined the proposals of a member of the family of edu which is evidently descended from edouard in english edward the confessor Chapter 12. An Anomaly in the Character of Lethierry Mess Lethierry had a failing, and a serious one. He detested a priest, though not as an individual, but as an institution. Reading one day, for he used to read, in a work of Voltaire, for he would even read Voltaire, the remark that priests have something cat-like in their nature, he laid down the book, and was heard to mutter, then I suppose I have something dog-like in mine. It must be remembered that the priests, Lutheran and Calvinist, as well as Catholic, had vigorously combated the new devil-boat, and had persecuted its inventor. To be a sort of revolutionist in the art of navigation, to introduce a spirit of progress in the Norman archipelago, to disturb the peace of the poor little island of Guernsey with a new invention, was in their eyes, as we have not concealed from the reader, an abominable and most condemnable rashness. Nor had they omitted to condemn it pretty loudly. It must not be forgotten that we are now speaking of the Guernsey clergy of a bygone generation, very different from that of the present time, 
who in almost all the local places of worship display a laudable sympathy with progress they had embarrassed lethierry in a hundred ways every sort of resisting force which can be found in sermons and discourses had been employed against him detested by the churchmen he naturally came to detest them in his turn their hatred was the extenuating circumstance to be taken into account in judging of his but it must be confessed that his dislike for priests was in some degree in his very nature it was hardly necessary for them to hate him in order to inspire him with aversion as he said he moved among them like the dog among cats he had an antipathy to them not only in idea but in what is more difficult to analyse his instincts he felt their secret claws and showed his teeth sometimes it must be confessed a little at random and out of season it is a mistake to make no distinctions a dislike in the mass is a prejudice the good savoyard cure would have found no favour in his eyes it is not certain that a worthy priest was even a possible thing in Lethierry's mind his philosophy was carried so far that his good sense sometimes abandoned him there is such a thing as the intolerance of tolerance as well as the violence of moderates but Lethierry was at bottom too good-natured to be a thorough hater he did not attack so much as avoid he kept the church people at a distance he suffered evil at their hands but he confined himself to not wishing them any good the shade of difference in fact between his aversion and theirs lay in the fact that they bore animosity while he had only a strong antipathy small as is the island of guernsey it has unfortunately plenty of room for differences of religion there to take the broad distinction is the catholic faith and the protestant faith every form of worship has its temple or chapel in germany at heidelberg for example people are not so particular they divide a church in two one half for st peter the other half for calvin and between the two is a partition to prevent religious variances terminating in fisticuffs the shares are equal the catholics have three altars the huguenots three altars as the services are at the same hours one bell summonses both denominations to prayers it rings in fact both for god and for satan according as each pleases to regard it nothing can be more simple the phlegmatic character of the germans favours i suppose this peculiar arrangement but in guernsey every religion has its own domicile there is the orthodox parish and the heretic parish the individual may choose neither one nor the other was the choice of methletiri this sailor workman philosopher and parvenu trader though a simple man in appearance was by no means simple at bottom he had his opinions and his prejudices on the subject of the priests he was immovable he would have entered the lists with montlosier occasionally he indulged in rather disrespectful jokes upon this subject he had certain odd expressions thereupon peculiar to himself but significant enough going to confession he called combing one's conscience 
the little learning that he had a certain amount of reading picked up here and there between the squalls at sea did not prevent his making blunders in spelling he made also mistakes in pronunciation some of which however gave a double sense to his words which might have been suspected of a sly intention after peace had been brought about by waterloo between the france of louis the eighteenth and the england of wellington mess lethierry was heard to say bonmont a été le traître d'union entre les deux camps on one occasion he wrote pap ote for papaute we do not think these puns were intentional though he was a strong anti-papist that circumstance was far from conciliating the anglicans he was no more liked by the protestant rectors than by the catholic cures the enunciation of the greatest dogmas did not prevent his anti-theological temper bursting forth accident for example having once brought him to hear a sermon on eternal punishment by the rev jacquemin herod a magnificent discourse filled from one end to the other with sacred texts proving the everlasting pains the tortures the torments the perditions the inexorable chastisements the burnings without ends the inextinguishable maledictions the wrath of the almighty the celestial fury the divine vengeance and other incontestable realities he was heard to say as he was going out in the midst of the faithful flock you see i have an odd notion of my own on this matter i imagine god as a merciful being this leaven of atheism was doubtless due to his sojourn in france although a guernsey man of pure extraction he was called in the island the frenchman but chiefly on account of his improper manner of speaking he did not indeed conceal the truth from himself he was impregnated with ideas subversive of established institutions his obstinacy in constructing that devil-boat had proved that he used to say i was suckled by the eighty-nine a bad sort of nurse these were not his only indiscretions in france to preserve appearances in england to be respectable is the chief condition of a quiet life to be respectable implies a multitude of little observances from the strict keeping of sunday down to the careful tying of a cravat to act so that nobody may point at you this is the terrible social law to be pointed at with the finger is almost the same thing as an anathematization little towns always hotbeds of gossip are remarkable for that isolating malignancy which is like the tremendous malediction of the church seen through the wrong end of the telescope the bravest were afraid of this ordeal they are ready to confront the storm the fire of cannon but they shrink at the glance of mrs grundy mess lethierry was more obstinate than logical but under pressure even his obstinacy would bend he put to use another of his phrases eminently suggestive of latent compromises not always pleasant to avow a little water in his wine he kept aloof from the clergy but he did not absolutely close his door against them on official occasions and at the customary epochs of pastoral visits he received with sufficiently good grace both the lutheran rector and the papist chaplain 
He had even, though at distant intervals, accompanied Déruchette to the Anglican parish church, to which Déruchette herself, as we have said, only went on the four great festivals of the year. On the whole, these little concessions, which always cost him a pang, irritated him, and far from inclining him towards the church people, only increased his inward disinclination to them. He compensated himself by more raillery. His nature, in general so devoid of bitterness, had no uncharitable side except this. To alter him, however, was impossible. In fact, this was in his very temperament, and was beyond his own power to control. Every sort of priest or clergyman was distasteful to him. He had a little of the old revolutionary want of reverence. He did not distinguish between one form of worship and another. He did not do justice to that great step in the progress of ideas, the denial of the real presence. His short-sightedness in these matters even prevented his perceiving any essential difference between a minister and an abbe. A reverend doctor and a reverend father were pretty nearly the same to him. He used to say, Wesley is not more to my taste than Loyola. When he saw a reverend pastor walking with his wife, he would turn to look at them and mutter, A married priest in a tone which brought out all the absurdity which those words had in the ears of Frenchmen at that time. He used to relate how, on his last voyage to England, he had seen the bishopess of London. His dislike for marriages of that sort amounted almost to disgust. Gown and gown do not mate well, he would say. The sacerdotal function was to him in the nature of a distinct sex. It would have been natural to him to have said, Neither a man nor a woman, only a priest. And he had the bad taste to apply to the Anglican and the Roman Catholic clergy the same disdainful epithets. He confounded the two cassocks in the same phraseology. He did not take the trouble to vary in favour of Catholics or Lutherans, or whatever they might be, the figures of speech common among military men of that period. He would say to Deruchette, Marry whom you please, provided you do not marry a parson. Chapter 13. Thoughtlessness Adds a Grace to Beauty A word once said, Mess Lethierry remembered it. A word once said, Deruchette soon forgot it. Here was another difference between the uncle and the niece. Brought up in the peculiar way already described, Deruchette was little accustomed to responsibility. There is a latent danger in an education not sufficiently serious, which cannot be too much insisted on. It is perhaps unwise to endeavour to make a child happy too soon. So long as she was happy, Déruchette thought all was well. She knew, too, that it was always a pleasure to her uncle to see her pleased. The religious sentiment in her nature was satisfied with going to the parish church four times in the year. We have seen her in her Christmas-day toilet. Of life she was entirely ignorant. She had a disposition which one day might lead her to love passionately. Meanwhile she was contented. She sang by fits and starts, chatted by fits and starts, enjoyed the hour as it passed, fulfilled some little duty, and was gone again, and was delightful in all. Add to all this the English sort of liberty which she enjoyed. 
in england the very infants go alone girls are their own mistresses and adolescence is almost wholly unrestrained such are the differences of manners later how many of these free maidens become female slaves i use the word in its least odious sense i mean that they are free in the development of their nature but slaves to duty Deruchette awoke every morning with little thought of her actions of the day before it would have troubled her a good deal to have had to give an account of how she had spent her time the previous week all this however did not prevent her having certain hours of strange disquietude times when some dark cloud seemed to pass over the brightness of her joy those azure depths are subject to such shadows that clouds like these soon passed away she quickly shook off such moods with a cheerful laugh knowing neither why she had been sad nor why she had regained her serenity she was always at play as a child she would take delight in teasing the passers-by she played practical jokes upon the boys if the fiend himself had passed that way she would hardly have spared him some ingenious trick she was pretty and innocent and she could abuse the immunity accorded to such qualities she was ready with a smile as a cat with a stroke of her claws so much the worse for the victim of her scratches she thought no more of them yesterday had no existence for her she lived in the fullness of to-day such it is to have too much happiness fall to one's lot with deruchette impressions vanished like the melted snow End of chapter 13 and book 3. Recording by Paul Adams. www.yawnguy.com.